Welcome to Conversation Mill. Join me as I talk to individuals stepping out to pursue their passions, from small business owners to community leaders, and learn with me how we can work together to support our local communities and local economies. Visit conversationmill.com to learn more, but now please join us in conversation. Fishery Point Cottages is perfectly placed steps away from Lake Michigan. Though its address is Escanaba, Michigan, it is just up the road from Ford River. Fishery Point Cottages sits on a stretch of beach just south of the entrance to Little Bay Dinoc in the Upper Peninsula of Michigan, or as members of my family call it, God's Country. I tend to believe them since the members of our families continue to live well into their 90s, I think it's the cryogenic effect that a lifetime of single-digit winters brings, but it would be short-sighted to only think of this area as a frozen lake and forest. Michigan's tourist slogan of pure Michigan perfectly and succinctly conveys the experience of spending summers out on the bay watching the sun go down as you race home to beat the darkness to the dock, or the crisp fall mornings walking to see the first leaves change. The air is cleaner, the water purer, the pace calmer, the scent of the woods smells better than any evergreen candle you've purchased, and the people hospitable, and excited to show you what makes the Upper Peninsula of Michigan its own unique state. And Fishery Point Cottage's owners, Eric and Amy Anderson, embody this UP spirit and hospitality, creating an individualized experience for their guests. I always enjoy my time in conversations with Eric and Amy. Amy is one of my many cousins. Our shared grandmother had 10 children, eight girls and two boys, and we are the offspring of two of these eight sisters. But we also share the experience of living a large portion of our life in Wisconsin, and I ask Amy and Eric what it's like to come home again. Not only will you get a glimpse of the things that make the UP a place to come and spend your summers or a place to go ice climbing in the winter, but also you will experience the heart that Eric and Amy have for people. And by experiencing that, get a peek into the heart of my family and of the many families that call this corner of the world home. Please join us now in conversation. Can you describe where we are today? And what I mean by that is... Um, the geographical setting where Fishery Point Cottages is located. So, so Fishery Point Cottages is located in the Upper Peninsula of Michigan, just south of Escanaba, um, little area called Ford River. And we're sitting in your kitchen, and I can look behind me and look right out on Lake Michigan. Yeah, if I'm looking over your shoulder, it's because a boat just drove by, and I'm paying attention to that. So. <laughs> I love that. What's the history of Fishery Point Cottages? So Fishery Point Cottages, um, you know, maybe even to back up to the intro, I grew up 300 yards down the highway. So um, I've known Fishery Point Cottages um, actually before it was Fishery Point Cottages. So um, when I was four years old, um, we moved to to Ford River. Um, At that point in time, it was Simpsons Cottages. Um, in 1983, John and Irene Fisher bought Simpsons Cottages and renamed it to Fishery Point Cottages in 1983. So I've known 
the Fishers because John Fisher um, was a good friend of my father's. So I've known them my entire life. When I was in high school, actually, I worked around a resort a little bit, um, just doing odd jobs, um, helping John out with things that maybe he didn't want to do or, you know, just an extra pair of hands. Hey, can you rake this up? Can you do this? I did a lot of carpentry work at that time. So helped him out with a few things around um, the resort here. So this is completely full circle for you. Absolutely. Since you did work, do some work here when you were in high school, what's it like coming back here now and being the owner of Fishery Point Cottage? Bit surreal. Yeah. Um, I, Amy and I feel extremely blessed to have this opportunity to come back home. All our, you know, all our families back here. And to have this opportunity was, was really, I mean, amazing. And I mean, this is my sister. I have a younger sister. This was her first job, was cleaning cabins here. So this has been part of, you know, my upbringing and growing up in the area. In 2003, when John and Irene Fisher had decided that they were going to split the the resort because they still live right next door, um, they, they kept two cabins sold this house and the five cabins. Um, they actually moved a cabin out that was right in front of our house. And in 2003, when they decided to do that, Amy and I discussed purchasing it then. However, at that point in time, um, I had just taken a new job. We had just had our, our second child. Financially, it was a big pill to swallow, mm-hmm. right? We felt that we would have kind of stretched ourselves a little bit past our comfort level. And also... Um, starting a new job down in Appleton, Wisconsin, it would have been it would have been tough. Um, so we decided at that and time and having two little kids, yeah. yeah, you know, and having to run the resort would have been a lot of work. It, yes. it would have been a lot of work, but at times over so over the course of that from 2003 till the present, we've talked about it multiple times. It had been really cool to raise our kids on the beach here. It's a beautiful sand beach. It would have been awesome to see them grow up here. But at that time, it was just it was just a little bit too much, and, and we talked about it a number of times. And then when the opportunity came about this time, it's like, we're, you know, whatever we need to do to make it happen. Mm-hmm. Can you guys each talk about your experiences growing up here in the Upper Peninsula, Peninsula of Michigan? It's almost kind of like a regional thing that we know about where you go to other places in the country and say the UP, they might not know what you're talking about. Or you say UPERS and they Mm -hmm. might, they might know what you're talking about, but probably they don't. And you have to explain it. Um, I grew up in Gladstone, just about 10 miles down the, down the road. Um, And I would say, you know, from when I can remember being little in the summers, especially going to the beach with my mom and my aunts and my cousins every single day. And, you know, moving to Wisconsin and hearing people talk about the lakes there, the inland lakes, I would always say, you have no idea, no idea about a lake yeah. until you're on Lake Michigan and grew up with it in your backyard, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, and it's just small and quaint and not the hustle and bustle even of Appleton, Wisconsin. Right. So. Yeah, I guess, you know, the first thing that comes to mind when you ask that question you know, the, the UP, it's, it's almost like a little bit of a throwback in time. Um, you know, it's small communities, um, pretty family-oriented. Um, 
you know, in, in where we are in the UP, I mean, you're kind of surrounded by Great Lakes, right? You have Lake Superior to the north. You know, obviously we're right on Lake Michigan here. Um, if you enjoy the outdoors, the, the UP is a great place to, to grow up. Um, so I grew up in a family that hunted, fished. Um, you know, as kids growing up here, you know, we'd jump on a three-wheeler or a snowmobile in the wintertime, and, and you could go anywhere. So, so enjoying those outdoor, you know, activities um, was a huge part of my life growing up, you know. So, so that small community, you know, really, you know, are, uh, kind of focuses around the, the outdoors and the Great Lakes that we have right in our backyard. So. I was just talking with a friend last night about growing up in the country and in an old farmhouse and the things that make you resilient that a lot of people either don't get to experience or maybe isn't as common now of being cold in the winter because the heat doesn't go all the way upstairs or different things like that. And I think the U, I think of the UP very similar of it really builds resilience and independence and problem solving because it is smaller communities. You have to rely on each other and you have to be mm-hmm. willing to help each other and be self-sufficient when you're snowed in. Mm-hmm. It, it's it's funny that you mention that because so my grandparents when they retired they they had a little hobby farm and uh, so now you drive you know about fifty minutes from here north so you're almost directly in between Lake Superior and Lake Michigan there really isn't anything mm-hmm. and I think you know it drives Amy probably kind of nuts at times where it's like I, I got to do this myself and I'm not giving up until I succeed and it probably drives her crazy at times. She's like, well, why don't you just have somebody else do this? Or, you know, why don't you just put it aside and, you know, and worry about it later? It's like, no, I'm working on this now. So I, it's funny that you bring that up because it, I think it does kind of instill some of that. You know, I grew up in a, in a ranch home, you know, three bedroom ranch home. The, the only heat that we had in the house was the fire or the wood stove in the living room. Mm-hmm. And, and you're, you're right. If you're not, working in and keeping that fire stoked guess what the house gets cold (laughs) um so so there is a little bit of that i guess ingrained instilled in you that that uh, you don't even realize it when you're growing up that now it's like wow um you know that that really instilled some work ethic and and in you that you didn't even realize was happening Mm -hmm. they say you can't go home again but you guys have (laughs) literally come home again and you described owning this place as surreal, but what's it like coming home after living away for so long? I have to say it's weird to actually have family be your blood relatives. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Our family has always been our neighborhood, yeah. our friends, because we had to rely on other people because we've lived away from family f- for so long. So I'd have to say that's kind of... The weirdness of coming back and going, oh yeah, my friends are my true family now, and it's it's different, it's good, but it's it's an adjustment yeah. for me at least. How much do you feel like has changed? Like in Gladstone, for instance, do you feel like there's a lot of changes, or not as many as some other places? I, I I'll jump on that one a little bit because I, I would even elaborate a little bit more to what Amy said. You know, we were gone for 22 years. Um, you come back home for Christmas, you know, whatever, holidays, vacation, 
you see little bits and pieces of it, right? And you spend, at least we did, we'd spend most of our time with family. Now that we're back here permanently, you go to town and it's like, wow, my, the little town that I grew up in, that I knew everybody in, I, I couldn't go into the grocery store before without seeing somebody that that you knew, right? I mean, you, you just bumped into people. Now, you know, you go into town, you go, oh, wow, my, my little town has changed. You know, back then, everybody everybody did their grocery shopping at Elmer's yeah, you know, County Star. Market, right? Yeah. Now, we have Walmart, you know, which is a superstore. So you have the grocery department there. You have Meyer, which there's groceries there. I, I went into to Elmer's and I'm like, holy man, this place has really changed. There's barely anybody in here. You know, so, so some of those big box stores have changed things a little bit in, in our, our little community. It's significantly different. Um, and, and, and just walking in after being gone for so long, you, know, you see some faces that you're like, I know I should know who that is. I recognize them. But you've been gone for so long that, yeah, you, you know, it's, it's kind of unique coming home. Mm-hmm. Why the transition now? Because how long ago was it that you purchased these cottages? So, so we purchased the cottages. We closed, um, it was March 10th. We took possession May 7th, 2022. We had sold our home in Appleton. Um, we closed on that June 15th, I think it was. Um, we packed up our house on June 10th and came north. And we had our first guest here at the resort June 12th. And June 18th then was the first week of being full where all five cabins were rented. So it was, it was a very fast transition. But for, for us, the, the timing of all this was right. So our oldest child, our son, Trey, he was living up here, working here. He was actually living in a house eight-tenths of a mile down the highway. Our daughter was going to Northern Michigan University, which is an hour and 20 minutes north. She plays on the women's volleyball team. We're always coming up for games up here. And the timing was just right for us. It's like our children are up here. And our parents aren't getting any younger. Right. right. And that, that probably played a big factor in it also, right? Our, our, you know, when you're three hours away from your parents that are getting up in years and could use a hand with this or, or you know, could, you know, need a little bit of help with that it, it's just you know you're so far away it's hard to to get there on the drop of a hat now you know we can we can be there very short notice so the timing was really right for us have you guys owned small businesses before we have not owned small businesses before but i grew up in small businesses so up until the time i was 15 my mom and dad had a bar and restaurant at that time, they sold the bar and restaurant, opened up a, a fish and seafood market. Um, a few years after that, then also opened up a greenhouse. So I grew up in small small family businesses. So even though we haven't owned anything like that in the past, you know, I grew up in that. I now work in sales where I manage a territory. So I, that business side of things has always been there for me but not from an ownership perspective. Not for me. <laughs> what were the conversation as a husband and wife that you guys had in preparation for doing this? Because there's a lot of pieces to it. The investment of money, the, the you know physically moving piece, and then how we're going to operate this business. Did you guys have a lot of conversations around that? What was that like? 
For, I, I would say that we didn't have a ton of conversation around that because we had talked about it years ago. And then over the years have said, ah, why didn't we do that? We, we missed the boat on that. So when it came up this time, we were like, we're not missing it this time. And I being a teacher, I, you know, it's been rough the last couple of years with yeah. teaching. And I just said, yes, there was no, not any, you know, reluctancy on my part because I knew I needed to move. I needed a change. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, w- I would say the, the last two years of you being a teacher and being in education had been really difficult mm-hmm. and trying and, and you needed a break from that. Mm-hmm. Um, this was just, it really was kind of a, a no brainer for us. Amy could step away from teaching, uh, for the time being, whether she chooses to go back to that or not. I mean, that's really up to her, but for the time being her working here in the resort and me being able to keep my same job because this location is within my territory. So now I'm really, I'm, I'm further away from the majority of my business. However, geographically, I'm more centrally located than of my, in my territory than I, what I was before. How, how we purchased this was a little bit unique. Um, so we didn't have all of the financial information what the previous owners had been doing here um, from a business perspective. So we looked at it going, okay, we know how many cabins there are. We know what the busy season is. We know that these cabins book. So from a financial perspective, it was a little bit going into it a little bit blind, to be truthful with you. But knowing what what is here, what has been done in the past, and what we can do by living here and extending that season. So the previous owners viewed this as their summer home after labor day they would shut the business down and they would winter in arizona come back in may open things the cabins back up now that we're here and we're living here year-round we're going to extend that season Mm -hmm. and and hopefully um, our intent is to keep three cabins open for snowmobilers for ice fishermen for people that want to come up here cross-country skiing we had one one potential guest that was asking about, hey, does the lake freeze? Can we ice skate? You know, so so some of those things that we can promote more of a year-round vacation destination versus just the summertime with your feet in the sand. I really love that you brought up the buying this and knowing the financial information, the business information coming in. Now, did you buy this as a business or did you buy it as real estate that you were going to make into a business, if that makes sense. Like, because obviously it sounds like they weren't selling necessarily all the goodwill that comes with it in the sense of client lists. Were they selling you repeat return customers as well? Yeah. So, so when we purchased this, um, we were provided with their bookings for 2022. And what we learned is they, there, there was, probably i'm going to say close to 12 weeks that they were booked with repeat customers repeat guests and what we learned is the almost i would say the majority are 20 to 30 year repeat customers that this is their vacation spot this is what they look forward to the entire year going into it we didn't really know that 
but that's what we learned um, when we got that that uh, list of, of bookings for the upcoming year. It was it was interesting and kind of fascinating that people just uh, it, we have three generations. They're like, hey, my parents brought me here when I was a kid, and now we're bringing our children. So there's three generations that have been coming here for many many years. Mm-hmm. What was the biggest hurdle once you got here, you had those first bookings, and you, you know, got done one night and sat down together and were like, oof, this is maybe more than what we expected. What what aspect was that? Cleaning cabins on Saturday morning. <laughs> five, having a five-hour turnover and having to be ready for new guests. So checkout time is 10 a.m. and check-in time is 3 p.m. And having just Eric and I at first... Mm-hmm. cleaning those five cabins in five hours and not knowing because I'm not a housekeeper when it comes to, you know, that's not my job right. necessarily. Um, and we want to do it on our own. We wanted, we didn't want to hire out right away. So, and, and we do some things that maybe um, other folks don't do, right? Amy, Amy takes the time to understand who's coming here, right? Is it, is it a husband and wife with two kids What are the kids' names? What are the ages? So she puts together a a very nice welcome note, right? But then also if you have, you know, an eight-year-old son and, and, you know, a a six-year-old daughter, hey, there's a coloring book with crayons. There might be a squirt gun for the boy. There might be around the 4th of July that you did some... um, Paper plates and napkins with flags. Flags. Just something, a little touch that we can put our mark on yeah and and some glow sticks for the kids we weren't doing Mm -hmm. sparklers but we're doing you know some glow sticks and that kind of stuff so we kind of tried to personalize it there a a little bit so so you want that i guess that personal touch Mm -hmm. um you want that cabin to be very clean the cabins are older cabins right but we want to make sure that they're clean, they're to our level of, uh, of expectation, and turn it over in a timely manner and have them ready. So, so Saturdays were a little bit stressful. What are some of the other hurdles as small business owners? Because you mentioned, hey, we had to get in, we had to clean these units. There's also now social media to advertise your business, placing ads if you want to advertise your business getting that reach out there. So have you guys taken all of that on yourselves and break out that responsibility or have you brought on anybody or have we put the kids to work yet? (laughs) When the kids were home this summer, yes, sometimes they were available, but a lot of times they're doing, you know, their jobs too, their own things. Um, So we did have them a a little bit. We had a friend of Eric's that lives down the road, his young daughter who is 16. We had her come a couple times and help us just make beds, which alleviated some of that help. Um, From an advertisement perspective, um, our daughter, who has never done this before, actually is the one that put together our website. Okay. So it was a learning experience for her. And, and she's done that, and in, in, uh, I think she did a phenomenal job. Um, and then took over the Instagram. So she's Instagram, you know, yeah. marketed it on Instagram. And, yeah. so, so from a marketing perspective, one thing that Amy spends a lot of time with is kind of some of the, the Facebook groups. Hey, you know, Upper Peninsula cabins. Hey, I'm looking for a cabin somewhere around here. So those, those are the things that she can respond to and, and not spend a, a – a ton of time and, and spend no money on advertisement and still be able to get your name out there. Um, that's one thing that the internet 
does a phenomenal job with, right? In the past, it was it was word of mouth. It was somebody drove by and saw the sign, it, you know, yellow pages or, or, you know, they really, your guests had to work harder to seek you out. Now you can plug in on the internet and go, all right, cabins near Escanaba, you know, if you want to go to that, that area. So, so I think from a marketing perspective, really the internet is, is what we've chosen because that is what everybody uses. What advice would you give to others that are looking to get into rental units, Airbnb, something that's similar to this? So, so currently that is something that we're going through right now because we're handed a full season, right? Completely booked up. We chose to only do bookings directly through us. Now that we're in the off season, that's the route we're going through. We want to get everything on Airbnb. We are going to honor all of our guests' bookings from year to year. Um, So we'll block out those weeks on on Airbnb. But the marketing aspect of Airbnb is is really what interests us. I would say um, for somebody that's going to to get into it, depending on the situation, if you're going to buy a rental property and focus on short-term rentals, I would say you have to get that on on Airbnb right away. Unlike with us, even though it's short-term rentals, we were handed a full season where we didn't have any cabins available. So that was built in for us. So the online booking is is huge. Um, I I think um, with Airbnb, I think that's opened up a world of opportunity for folks that, and for us being right on the water, that's a huge thing, right? People want to come and spend time on the water. So from, from a rental property perspective, I, I think you can almost you can almost be anywhere and do that now just because of the internet. But for us, location is everything. I would have to add to that, though. I think having the one-on-one conversations, the emails back and forth, we're building relationships that these people keep coming back because of that, because we're here to talk to them, because we're here to go sit out at the campfire with them at night. And I think with Airbnb, sometimes if you're doing it on that or VRBO or whatever, you don't have that necessarily. So those people are there for one week, one year, but then you might not get those customers back for 10 or never again, where we're seeing the difference of it's a mom and pop situation here. We're on the grounds. We can have that conversation, learn about each customer that comes in here. You know, for instance, we found out the last in on Labor Day weekend, they asked, where are all our mismatched mugs? We look forward to that. And I'm like, oh, that's me. I, I took them all out because I'm all about matching. Well, guess what I did? I wrote down in our books for next year when they come back, I'm putting a ton of mismatched mugs in their cabin. So just building that relationship and taking those notes on the guests that come in to make it special for them during the week. Because some of them have said this is their favorite time of the year is the week they spend at Fishery Point Cottages. Or they're taking pictures down there and it's the picture on their Christmas card Mm-hmm. every year. So to keep getting those people back is super important to me. Yeah. So I feel like if you're going to do a rental, in my pers- personal experience, I think that one-on-one relationship building I, is huge. I think Amy has a great point there. Switching gears a little bit, I wanted to ask, 
Amy, you were talking about leaving education and mm -hmm. feeling the need to do that. Can you tell us a little bit about why you were at a point where you're like, I need to break away and change careers or do something for myself? Mm -hmm. um, I would say over the last two years, really, it has, you know, with the, you know, COVID and everything, um, it has just changed education drastically. And the I feel like the social issues and the political issues that are seeping into our public education I want it out. Mm -hmm. I, I, I want it to be that caregiver to the kids and teaching math and reading and science and not bringing all the social issues in. Mm -hmm. I feel that that was not the place to do it. So I was really getting down on mm -hmm. that, and I felt like I emotionally wasn't into it like I used to be. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I just needed, I needed an emotional break, I guess, to recharge, yeah. and this was the place to do it. And I've always wanted to live on a lake. And yeah. I thought, what a better way than to have a business and be able to live on the lake. Yeah. So one question I love to ask, because I think it's, it's very revealing uh, in a positive way is what was the last meaningful conversation each of you would say you had and why was it meaningful to you? I would have to say for me, our neighbor next door, was losing her husband and being able to be there with her and even just to sit quietly and not say a word and having conversation by being quiet, by hugging, by having your hand on her hand when she was sobbing, you know, um, those are important yeah, to me, that's powerful. Yeah. you know, and I don't know. You bring that up and not, not to get too deep, I guess. Being here for her is extremely important for us. I've known them all my life. And just to be here when they're going through that time and John passing, we we just feel like we were meant to be here. No other way to put it. We were meant to be here. We're meant to be here to, to, to be here to support Irene as she goes through this very, very tough time in her life. You know, Amy brings up the, those conversations. And for, for me, I, I would say one that kind of sticks out is uh, I have a friend that um, was diagnosed with brain cancer and was given a very short time to, to, to live when he first was diagnosed. And, and uh, Amy and I stopped there um, two weeks ago. And we had just an amazing conversation where he was given some hope and to see that in his eyes and you know, it gives me goosebumps to go from, you have a very short period of time to live to having brain surgery, removing most of the tumor, but the type of tumor it is, they can't get it all. So going through the radiation and chemotherapy and all that to now, you know, kind of, what is it now, uh, seven months later going, okay, the mass has actually shrunken a little bit. Having a consultation with a um, neurological oncologist from Mayo Clinic and said that he asked the question, what do you guys want from me? And their response was, we'd like to have something proactive. We don't want to just wait we want to try to be proactive about this. And he's like, great. Well, I've reviewed all of your information, right? Your medical history here and what's been going on. 
I have a colleague that is doing surgeries on this type of tumor. I want to put you in touch with him. I really, I I didn't know if that was prior to this conversation. I didn't know if this was going to be one of the last conversations I've ever had with him. And we, I, I felt that we went out of our way because I'm like, I, I want to see him again. I want to talk to him again. I don't want to have something happen to him and regret not stopping today mm-hmm. and taking that time out of our busy schedule to, to just be a good friend mm-hmm. and stop in and, and touch base. And when we learned that that outlook has changed a little bit and they have potentially a positive path forward and just to see how that has changed and, and given you know, some, some hope, that was pretty impactful to me mm-hmm. yeah. and, and meaningful. It seems as though, I don't know if we, as we get older, we're just touched by that because of age, mm-hmm. but it seems like lately um, there's been more and more of that around us and just to take that extra time and have a, a good sit down and, and talk with folks. We all have busy schedules, but uh, I think uh, we got to, we got to, I guess, hit that pause button and take the time to, Hey, those other things can wait. This is, this is more important. And uh, yeah, I think that was probably my, most recent one that I can think of at least. And I just think that a conversation of hope Mm -hmm. for everyone, Mm -hmm. you know, and especially in today's world, I think, you know, if we can bring hope and positivity through conversation with strangers that we meet on the streets, you know, and like you said, the meaningfulness of it, you know, Mm -hmm. getting to know each other. I feel like uh, that's kind of a lost thing lately as you talk to people that don't even know their neighbors sometimes and that just blows me away we came from a neighborhood that we knew all our neighbors they spent time with our house that's I guess who we are and so to own something like this was easy because we knew we were people who can you know have conversations with anyone Eric more so than me but Um, and just bringing that, that, that conversation of hope to anyone nowadays, I feel like people seem like they're down, things are happening around them and just being able to have hope and give hope. That's such an important, important statement because there are a lot of conversations happening, but they either come with a heaviness or a negativeness or a, a victimhood Mm -hmm. and to, on the flip side of that. And again, that's kind of the point of this podcast is to get there's going to be hard conversations in there for sure. Mm-hmm. And, you know, leave it to family, bring tears up at the first <laughs> podcast, the first time that's happened. But that's mm. great. But that's great because it, but it's still a conversation of hope right. and friendship and what can happen when you have those conversations. Right. I, I feel if you take the time to get to know people, there's a lot more commonality than what people realize. And, I may not be, I may not be a, a a soccer coach, but I have coached volleyball, and there's some commonality there, right? We can talk about that. You know, there's just I think if you if you're willing to take the time and get to know people a little bit and ask those questions, not necessarily what can I get out of the conversation, but just to understand what are your likes, what are you you know you're gonna find you're gonna find commonality with almost everybody mm-hmm. um, if you're willing to take the time. Yeah. Which, which is kind of interesting. It's taking that time. That's it. I had red clay soap um, on the podcast and 
um, farmer John, you know, said, you got to look at yourself if you're someone who's shying away from asking someone how they are. What does that mean for you, not for them? How do you break through that fear? And and that's kind of like you said, there's more commonality than what you think. But if you don't ask the question or you don't start the conversation, you're never going to know that. And you're just going to have the fear of we're too different to have a conversation. So for the last question today, guys, I wanted to ask you each individually, if you could have a conversation and sit down with someone one-on-one, living or dead, who would you want to sit down and have a conversation with? You can go first, Bib. Okay. Would you like? Um, I always say um, Martin Luther King Jr. And I've said that, I mean, you know, in high school, in grade school, when they ask that same question, I've always said that. And I'd have to continue with that just because I, I see what's going on in our world today. And I wonder, does he, you know, is he okay with it? Is he not okay with it? Does he see those differences that people are bringing out right now? Or does he see that we've come a long way? I don't know. I've, I just think he's an amazing person that did an amazing thing for our country. And he's yeah. somebody that I, I look up to. All right. So I'm going to make a longer answer to that question than what it needs to be. <laughs> um, you know, you, you asked that in, in, there were a couple of things that kind of came to mind. I felt that I had um, one of my grandfathers was an amazing guy, and I got to listen and, and hear a lot of stories um, towards their later years. And, and we got to have those conversations, and I got to learn a lot about his upbringing and, and where he came from and how he ended up where he was, right? So that would be one person that, you know, I'd love to hear more stories. But Really, the the one that comes to mind, um, and I kind of get choked up here a little bit, but um, so growing up in Ford River, you know, it's very small rural area, and, and uh, a friend of mine that I went to elementary school with, middle school, high school, grew up just down the road, and on his twenty seventh birthday, um, was killed in a car wreck. I think it'd be cool, you know, to, to have that conversation today, just on be able to share my life, our marriage, our kids, our family. I think that would be cool because <clears throat> that was so unexpected that, um, you know, you just, you didn't see it coming. So we didn't have the conversations as frequently, you know, he was living down in lower Michigan um, at the time. You know, so not that we ever left anything unsaid or anything like that, but just to be able to share that, you know, because cause my kids, if he was alive today, my kids would know him very well. Mm-hmm. Um, our children know about him, but didn't get to know him. So that would be one. That would be one that... Uh, I think I'd, I'd love to have that conversation. Wow. Well, you guys really brought the attention to this. Thank you so much for being so open and honest mm-hmm. and, and sharing something straight from your heart. I think that's so important um, to see men share things mm-hmm. like that. Yeah, I always say you can, you, know, you can probably slap me upside the head with a two-by-four, <laughs> and I'd shake that off and not shed any tears. Yeah. But... Um, 
I guess I've always kind of worn my emotions on my sleeve um, and not been bashful about that. And and that's that's you know that story. Yeah, I think about them a lot. Yeah. Well, thank you guys so much for taking the time out today to to come on the podcast and tell us about your business and, and really share some some things straight from your heart. I know it's going to mean a lot to our listeners. It means a lot to me. Thank you so much. No, You're we love, we love for seeing you. Us. <laughs> yeah. And and if if you get the opportunity, go go to fisherypointcottages.com and uh, check us out. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you to Amy and Eric for joining us on Conversation Mill. If you're interested in learning more about Fishery Point Cottages or booking a stay there, you can visit their website. That's down in the show notes. You can also follow them on Instagram at Fishery Point Cottages. Thank you for being a listener of Conversation Mill. The podcast is growing but we need your continued support in the form of comments, likes, and subscriptions. If you've enjoyed even one episode, please take two minutes to comment under the episode or the podcast itself, or rate the podcast. Hitting the subscribe button wherever you listen to the podcast helps tremendously. Every like and subscribe helps me support local businesses and local nonprofits by giving them a platform to tell their stories. Together, we can foster the understanding, diversity, and economies that make our individual communities flourish, while creating our own community here at Conversation Mill. Also, you can join us at conversationmill.substack.com, where you can become a member and receive weekly member-only content, including member-only episodes. I look forward to sharing a new conversation with you next week, and as always, thank you for your support.